And I wanted something that could kind of like really mix, I don't know, my teenage angst with some type of hardcore music at the time. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. This episode is another one in our Discovering Summer series. And on this one, I am discovering Florida-based pop punk band At A Time with their guitar player, Justin Robertson. They released their debut full-length record, No Boundaries, back in May on Revival Recordings. And in this interview, we discuss three songs that influenced Justin, as well as three songs off of their new record. There's even some talk about hockey, as they're a band that's kind of made it a part of their aesthetic, a part of who they are, uh, which is kind of interesting, especially being you know a band from Florida. As a Canadian, I'm like, yeah, hockey makes sense. So it's always fun to kind of get to find out how, you know, guys, how people from places like Florida got into the sport and tied it into their music, which is pretty rad. Um, before we get into it, go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You'll find the links to mine and Aaron's personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. If you want to throw a couple bucks a month our way for general support through Patreon, you can do that. That's linked in the show notes. Uh, you'll hear actually in this episode, kind of funny recording this interview with Justin and Zoom kept saying, hey, you're running out of time. And so at one point, which is great, running out of time, interviewing out of time. But in the middle of this episode, I actually signed up and paid for Zoom. Uh, so if you want to help pay that off a little bit, you can always support us on Patreon. It's linked in the show notes as are our social media, stuff like that. We got merch available there as well. T-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, stuff like that. Uh, you can find all of that linked in our show notes and uh, make sure you tell your friends wherever you're listening to the show, share it with friends, rate it, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Really, it just helps us grow the show. And when we're doing these kind of episodes, this whole Discovering Summer series, uh, we're obviously trying to help spread the word on some pretty new, pretty great bands. And I think that's another great way. If you listen to this episode, maybe you're a regular listener and you think, out of time is pretty rad. I should share this with my friends. You should do that. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. This is my interview with Justin Robertson, Discovering Out of Time. I guess back to the to the start. Do you remember kind of the first band or song or album or whatever that kind of introduced you to the world of punk, pop punk, whatever, hardcore, whatever kind of got you into the scene in the first place? Oof. Um, 
it, it would have to probably, I mean, honestly, like if, if we're going back, one of the first songs that I mean, I ever listened to that was like really hooked on was um, Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit. Sick. Like yes. that was that was it for me. Like it brought yeah. me into kind of like the grunge universe. My um, my parents would always listen to kind of like Pearl Jam. Um, they were really big in the Guns N' Roses in like the early 90s with Appetite of Destruction. Um, really big Metallica fan. So I was always kind of like within the, the genre space. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like Nirvana was the one that kind of kickstarted me into um, where I'm at now, especially with kind of like the, the grunge music and kind of like that, that post-rock feel into like the later 90s with like Foo yeah. Fighters and everything. But I think like for pop punk, um, it literally would have to be, I'm going to say, uh, Hit or Miss by Newfound Glory off their self-title. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the one that kind of like catapulted me into this like pop punk um, scene and growing up in South Florida, like they're perfect from yeah. my neck of the woods. And it's funny too, because that band got me into um, Shai Halud, got mm-hmm. me into Poison the Well, um, got me into a lot of the hardcore bands that were down there at the time, like Know the Score, uh, Kids Like Us. And I kind of just like dived into this like weird alt scene of just like hardcore pop punk um, that kind of just en- engulfed me for, oh God. <laughs> 20 years at this yeah. point <laughs> i feel like chad gilbert uh did that for a lot of newfound glory fans right yeah because obviously the connection with shy halud uh and then just like i because i can remember when i first heard newfound glory um you know because especially at that time i don't know if it's still a thing as much anyways but at that time you know you had kids that were like hardcore kids and you yep. had like pop punk kids and then there was like the emo kids like they were all kind of like separate but all part of the same yeah and so i can remember though like the hardcore kids being supportive and embracing newfound glory and i think a lot of it came from obviously like chad being in the band uh and and then also they were just one of those first bands to really introduce like obviously you know that the the whole easy core thing if you want to call it that like kind of it came from them right like i think it i think it it definitely grew and it evolved further than they ever, yeah, than they ever took it, but just introducing like those, you know, like hardcore breakdown sort of elements uh, into pop punk was, was definitely, you know, their thing, I guess you could say, but uh, yeah, man, that, that whole record, like, so when you heard hit or miss, was it a newfound glory or was it when the self-titled record came out? It was when the self-titled had come okay. out. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It wasn't with "Nothing Gold Can Stay" because then I yeah. kind of discovered "Nothing Gold Can Stay" after. Yeah. But I remember, like, um, I, I talk about this a lot with like my friends and everything. Like, I remember like um, finding uh, the self-titled. I don't even remember how I found it. It might have been MTV. I think it was like mm-hmm. um, I heard "Hit or Miss" from a friend, and then I saw "Dressed to Kill" on MTV. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was like, oh, I know this band. They're on mtv like this is cool shit um and then pretty much that kind of like catapulted me into pre-saving sticks and stones at target nice i got the (laughs) the the album at target yeah Um, and i remember like you know leaving school going to target to pick it up and just like that cd never left my cd player until maybe i mean opposite of december from poison the wall came out right yeah yeah that's awesome yeah i like i don't remember i'm sure I came across newfound glory just from, you know, as you did back in the day, uh, reading CD liner notes. Right. Uh, 
And then I can remember though. So, cause it would have been, you know, with the self-titled record, that was like, that still is kind of my favorite newfound glory record. I really liked sticks and stones, but there's always something about self-titled that kind of like, uh, hundred percent. I mean, obviously like the cover, you know, the artwork is playing off of that. Right. Yep. Um, but then I can remember hearing, you know, nothing gold can stay and hit or miss on that and be like, Oh, this is kind of weird. Cause it's a little bit different, you know, a little bit more like obviously more of like a, a local band getting their footing, you know, their first, yep. their first full length at that time. And then obviously drive through gets a hold of them and they're like a little more money, a little more push. This is what the band can start sounding like. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. But I do have to ask, we were, we were talking a little bit before, uh, hitting record talking hockey stuff. So how, how does a guy from South Florida become a big enough hockey fan that, because I feel since I've heard about you guys and was first mm-hmm. introduced to your band, hockey has been a part of the aesthetic. So how does that happen? And how, I'm going to assume the whole band, you're all hockey fans. If you're, if you're willing to kind of buy into the, to the, you know, like making a Jersey for merch and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I feel like, there's only like two of us that are really like die hard into it. Okay. Um, and it, it, it really kind of stems from, so like in, in South Florida, obviously with, you know, the Panthers being an expansion team yeah. in 93, I could yeah. get this wrong. Um, my, they, they, you know, with expansion teams, they try to get people out to the, the stadium. So sure, yeah. they, they literally give out free tickets to car dealerships, to whoever can get more people out. So my grandfather, was working at a car dealership at the time and he got um, tickets to their um, Stanley cup run in 96 against the abs. Yeah. So I remember, you know, getting tickets to um, one of the Stanley cup games. I don't remember because this was forever ago. God, 16 years, almost no longer than 16. Yeah. Whatever. Um, Yeah. 26, 26 years. Yeah. I was just thinking, I was like, shit, it's 2022. So yeah. (laughs) Um, And I remember stepping out onto the ice because they did like a player meet and greet. And I kind of like turned around and looked up and Basilevsky's like standing right behind me, just towering over me. Right. And I remember like watching the game and being like, you know, this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. Where's the closest ice arena? And there was one in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, Kind of grew up with with the Panthers. Um, one of my closer friends, Dave Courtney, he he's um, videographer, content creator for the Florida Panthers. So like when, when we were growing up, and I actually met him at a Newfound Glory show. Nice. Um, he would get us like you know into ticket. He'd get us tickets to go to the Panther games. So we'd catch Panther games here and there. But I think um, when I moved up to Orlando, and I caught the first I caught my first lightning game like in Amelie. Yeah. I was like, this is hockey. Like nothing against, you know, the the Sunrise Center and the Florida Panthers, but the Florida Panthers, they have a hardcore fan base, but it's not it doesn't it didn't feel like I was kind of like in a hockey arena. And I went to see my first lightning game and I was like, this is how hockey's supposed to be. Right. And I absolutely like like fell in love with the team, and yeah. I've been a diehard fan pretty much ever since. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Like, cause I can remember thinking back, like uh, when I whenever I think of Florida hockey, there are two things that I think about. One 
is John Van Beesbrook being on the cover of NHL 97 uh, and owning that on Super Nintendo, it would have been. So, like, back, back in the day. And then Vincent LeCavalier, obviously, when the uh, Lightning won the Cup in 2004 for the first time. Like, there's, there's like, it, it just blows my mind a little bit to, like, I, I love hearing about a diehard hockey fan in Florida, who's not like a snowbird, right? Like who's not yeah. someone who's just coming down and, you know, getting into the sun while it's snowing up in Canada. Cause that's often, I think what we, we in Canada assume a good chunk of the, uh, the attendance in Florida, you know, whether it's Tampa or, or, or down in, in sunrise is snowbirds. Yep. <laughs> you know? And there's, maybe- there's like a, a core group of Panther fans that are down there that are just born and raised in Miami that are just diehard yeah, Panther fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was cool too, because I was able to, um, like everybody has like that golden birthday where you're like the, you turn the year on the day of your birthday. Mine was my, right. th- my 27th birthday. And, uh, we went to the, the draft in nice. sunrise. Yeah. So I got to catch, um, McDavid and Eichel getting drafted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, what's the other one? Um, Samsonov for the, the the caps like that was that whole draft period and um i was with like just a whole bunch of you know diehard panther fans my roommate at the time was one of them and um it was funny because i was wearing uh a jason garrison florida panther jersey with my jason garrison lightning jersey underneath it <laughs> but we only wore the panther jersey so I, we can get on camera that's funny and did it work yeah, yeah we got on camera perfect <laughs> Mission accomplished. I love it. Yep. Um, it also just recently occurred to me. Uh, so like Orlando, they've got the, is it the solar bears? Yep. Yeah. So I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, oh, we should talk about hockey a little bit because um, like music is is the thing that like drives me. But I've grown up a diehard Leafs fan. Leafs fan. Yeah. Thanks to my dad. Right. Like this is just the way it is. Um, and uh so I think I don't know if they still are, but I feel like for a period of time the Solar Bears were like Toronto's ECHL yeah, affiliate or whatever. But it just occurred to me today that they're called the Solar Bears because of polar bears. Yep. It's <laughs> a pun. Like, yeah. And I was like, no shit. This whole time it's just been like right over my head. So I thought that was funny. So I have uh, a I have a cool solar bears story. Um yeah. we uh so Mike and I are our singer. We we went out to you know the um, the deck hockey rink just to shoot some puck mm. and um we were we were there's two other guys that were there so we we're like hey do you guys want to just hop in like we just play on the same net we were playing horse and um one of the guys that got net we could not get a single puck past this guy yeah like he was blocking every shot that we were throwing at him um and then we were just like like do you do you play like professionally or on like the echl level he's like yeah we can't tell you but we're part of the solar bears yeah and um it was funny because that was garrett sparks who went to the london knights and then played for toronto and golden net for like maybe two three games yeah maybe he had a little bit well because he ran into some off ice issues i think at one point yeah uh but he did like there was a period of time where i think he was like they were they were thinking he might be at least, if not like a, a future starter like their next mm-hmm. backup sort of thing like um, he got in he definitely got in some games and then I forget where he eventually ended up but uh, yeah I feel he, like he came back to the Solar Bears at one point it's definitely possible but then I feel like he ended up on another NHL team or in another organization at some point in time but um, 
anyway, this isn't, this isn't a hockey podcast. So we won't go too far. <laughs> I was just curious how, you know, a guy in Southern, I was going to say Southern California in Southern Florida becomes such a diehard hockey fan. And so, uh, I love hearing that. I love hearing it, you know, kind of coming down through the family type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty rad. So yeah, I got you to, uh, to, to bring a couple songs or a few songs that we're going to yeah. go through that influenced uh, you or the band or however. I just let you kind of take free reign on what you chose. And then three at a time songs, which uh, we'll get to uh, after these ones. So, um, yeah, we'll listen, listen to the songs and then, uh, and then, well, we'll listen to a song, then talk about it. We'll listen to all the songs. All the and songs then, at once. Yeah, at once. Yeah, all <laughs> playing at the same time. I've got them all set up in different windows. Uh, we'll be good to go. No, we're, um, Listen to a song and then we'll talk about it and find out why you picked it and all this kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, the first one, this is uh, Senses Fail.
I should say, uh, that's Angela Baker and my obsession with fire. I didn't say what song it was, but we all know it now because we've heard it. Um, yeah, man, like Senses Fail for myself were like one of those bands where for sure they take me like right back to that. Like they, they have, I think, that sound that bands today kind of like in Why? that world. Yeah, kind of try to recreate a little bit. Um, I love start to finish that song really especially the end as it kind of like drives it home with the like kind of halftime yep. uh you know a bit at the end after the screaming the screaming's good but it's really when he just starts singing over like the halftime drums at the end it's like yes uh, it just hits that there. much harder 100 percent. so how did uh do you remember when you first heard senses fail um the first time i heard senses fail was probably with let it unfold no it had a bloody romance. I think I downloaded it off of LimeWire. I nice. think I might have yeah. crashed my family's computer. Perfect. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I've always. It was kind of like that that period of time for me where I wanted something. I was like really bad. I was like really into Taking Back Sunday. Until yeah. uh, all your friends had just come out. Uh, Deja and Tendu had just come out from brand new, um, and I wanted something that could kind of like really mix my i don't know my teenage angst with some type of hardcore music at the time and sure, yeah. Fail kind of filled that that hole yeah. Yeah. and i remember it the first time i saw senses fail was 10 o'clock in the morning at warp tour <laughs> yes um and they were playing this song and this was the song like the first time i ever like crowd surfed was to this song amazing and i i feel like like angela baker and my obsession with fire just really has like it it's a deep cut on the album. Mm-hmm. It's not like one, it's not, you know, rum is for drinking or it's not uh, let it unfold you or it's not bite to break the skin. It's, it's kind of like hidden towards the end. Um, but it's like right next to, you know, the irony of dying on your birthday. But I feel like it's one of those songs where it's for guitar on like for my guitar playing, especially on this album, I, I took so much influence from that song in particular with like the arpeggiated notes that I was hitting on a lot of parts and kind of like that halftime like feel um, like one of the songs on the album, No Boundaries, like you could really hear that like guitar style that I, I pulled up from, you know, this album in general with like the octaves that I'm playing and kind of like the arpeggiated notes. And I don't know, it, it's, it's just one of those albums that have always stuck with me and I'm always catching myself playing that album at least once or twice a week. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's for sure a throwback that like, it just takes me back to, you know, when I was first living on my own and, you know, like my, with my roommates and hanging out, you know, I had this bedroom in a basement that was like the way this basement was designed as you came down the stairs and it like opened up to the right. Like that was the, the majority of the basement Yeah. to the left was like, it was, it wasn't developed yet. So to the left, I don't know what the plan was. I guess maybe it could have been a storage room. It was like, uh, let's say four feet wide, but it was like (laughs) probably, you know, like the length, the, the width of the basement, I guess. So let's say 10 feet long or whatever. Um, but it was long enough that I, you know, at the time, even when I lived with my parents, I was sleeping on this couch in my room. Like my room was a full basement. I had a bed, but I slept on the couch in front of my stereo and TV, right? Like that I had in my room. So when I moved out, this is what I took with me. 
And it was that basically I had enough room in this new bedroom for my couch. There was like a TV or not a TV, uh, like a coffee table right next to yeah. the couch. And then my TV on a stand and stereo. And it was all butt up, like butted up against each other. Like it was <laughs> not a lot of room. But when I listened to like bands like Senses Fail and music from this era, say like the used and stuff like that, yeah. um, that's me. I'm taken back to that bedroom, you know, in the undeveloped basement. Uh, in you know on this ratty old couch <laughs> hanging out with all my friends it was, it's good times uh but uh yeah man I, that was that was a nice little jam so yeah the the next song that you brought is is a little bit newer um mm-hmm. i guess only by according to apple music when i look at the release years only by six years but hey yeah um this is the wonder years and uh melrose diner
this story before on, on the show, but the Wonder Years were like the band that I credit with like bringing me back to pop punk. I was going to say the uh, exact same thing. Yeah. Like, so I, I grew up listening to pop punk. Like that was, you know, but back in, you know, the nineties, early two thousands mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. So green day, blink, newfound glory. We talked about, you know, like kind of that era of bands, or I guess those, those kind of come from two eras almost, but, yeah. um, but like, there was that period of time where, you know, I got older for, at first I got into kind of, you know, like heavier music mm-hmm. and then, you know, I just kind of turned to more like indie rock singer songwriter stuff, right? Like that mature stuff. <laughs> um, and then I don't know what it was like why one day I was like, I should see if there's any new pop punk bands, you know? But when I came across the wonder years, they were this band where I was like, Oh man, like they're doing the pop punk thing. But their lyrics are a little more relatable, relatable, right? Like not just like goofing around sort of stuff or, yeah. or just writing about high school and girls. Right. Uh, although, I mean, that song is, that song was 100% about <laughs> girls. <laughs> exactly. And, and potentially while he was in high school for all I yeah. know. Right. Like, um, but, but at the same point, like when I got into the wonder years, they were uh, like no closer to heaven was out. So yeah. they had been around a while. Right. And they were already starting to make that transition from, you know, early wonder years to kind of, you know, the sound they've got now, which is, you know, kind of evolved. But so tell me about your, I guess, so you said similarly for you, they brought Mm -hmm. you back to pop punk. I feel like the, um, the upsides in general, it, (laughs) this is the most cliche thing I'll ever say. The upsides came in this weird time of my life Mm -hmm. um, where it was kind of like that, that perfect time where I was, I had just, you know, gotten out of, you know, this like metalcore band that I was playing in. Right. I was like just getting back into kind of like what was going on in like the pop punk scene in yeah. like 2009, 2010. Um, and the Wonder Years were that one band that that hit me. And it was like this song in particular, um, you know, I was going through some things with a girl at a time and it, it kind of like all lined up and it checked all the check marks on it for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think like, I didn't get like, I, the upsides was definitely an album that I would listen to from like front to the back. But I don't think I fully appreciated the wonder years until I saw them live. Right. And like seeing the wonder years live. Um, and everyone will say, you know, you know, Dan's voice wasn't that great when they first started out. He didn't really <laughs> yeah. know what he was doing, blah, 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 blah. The energy that they had, yeah. And the way that he could control this packed room of sweaty teenagers in 2010 was just like astounding to me. Yeah. And like the way they carried themselves with like six members on stage, just absolutely going like ape shit was -hmm. the coolest thing ever. Um, But also like I credit, um, you know, the wonder years to introducing me to, you know, one of the most wonderful people I've ever met in my life. And that's John James Ryan, who's in keep flying now. Okay. So I met him because he was doing tour manager. He was being the tour manager for the Wonder Years at the time. And I met him, you know, years ago then. And then, you know, we kind of like rekindled our friendship again after a two hour long conversation about Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> a few years ago. But, Spoiler alert that's your next song on the list is Weird Al. Yeah, it's a Weird Al song. Yeah, we took yeah. a Weird Al song, we made it pop punk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's like everything about just the upsides in general, like, you know, I'm not sad anymore. That whole mm-hmm. mantra um, really is what kind of like carried me 
till now. Like I, I'm, yeah. I literally have the upsides playing on my like vinyl, nice. my record player right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the Wonder Years like consistently have like from get stoked on it, even through the new song they just put out. Mm-hmm. I've just it's they've always been a band that's always been consistent. Even Dan's side projects like Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties, and even his solo album that he did with Ace Enders. Um, right. They've always kind of like struck a chord with me, but in particular, like with the upsides, um, not necessarily this song, even though this song was a huge influence for my guitar playing on this album. Um, the upsides did something that not a lot of bands have done. And I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. But in um, All My Friends Are in Bar Bands, they did like a reprise at the end where they got all their friends on singing like the last chorus so they had like maddie from the lost for words oh that's um, cool they had the singer from fireworks they had uh shane from valencia and uh the guys from man overboard all singing like the last chorus like in tandem with each other yeah um which was a huge influence for me along with um uh what a catch donnie from fall up boys fully ado uh where we did that on no boundaries where the last song is all of our friends singing different choruses from each song on the album together. And yeah. It was like, it was one of those things where I was like, is this going to work? I don't know if this is going to work. And uh, I remember when we finally got everybody's tracks in and we put it all together and we mixed it, we mastered it all together. Like I kind of like listened to it for the first time. And I was like, like a tear came to my eye. I was like, this fucking worked. <laughs> and um, you believe it yeah yeah I, I gotta credit like the wonder years for doing that for just giving me that idea of just getting your friends and putting them on something that like you know just means yeah. something to you that's kind of cool like because i mean obviously it's neat like bringing your friends in they did that obviously at the end of greatest generation right like mm-hmm. with i just want to sell out my funeral yep. but it's just it's just dan basically i don't know if there's anyone else that joins them or maybe, you know, some backup vocals from the band itself. But like, yeah, just like bringing those, I, that the first time I heard that I was absolutely like blown away because I kind of worked my way backwards through their library. So like, you know, no closer to heaven was my introduction. They're obviously a little more, um, mid tempo, you know, on mm-hmm. that record, a little more dynamic at times, uh, like cigarettes and saints is an, yeah, absolutely incredible song. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what the other one is with uh, what's his name from Let Live. Oh shoot. Um, anyway, that song I'm gonna have to look it up maybe. But that song itself, like when his with Jason stained glass ceilings. Yeah, stained glass ceilings. When when is it Jason? Is that his name? Yeah, oh, Jason anyway. Butler. Yeah. So when his feature comes in on that song, uh, I remember one time I was like just sitting there listening to the album. It was just kind of playing in the background. And then his part comes on, and I was like, it stopped me. You know, it was quiet in the background. Also, I'm like, wait, what am I listening to? Had to listen to it all over again, right? Like, uh, so like working my way backwards through their library. When I, you know, when I listened to the Greatest Generation for the first time, I I may have like the first time I really listened to it may have been when I bought it on vinyl, and I was you know legit sitting down and had you know like the lyric sheet in front of me, listening to this record, and then it comes up to this song last song on the record i'm like okay cool you know here comes the closer not expecting what was coming right and i'm like yep. sitting there going wait a second are they singing lines from all the other songs and so you know that whole dive down and, and whatever but so they're it they're 
they're a pretty incredible band. I will say this. Um, you, you mentioned briefly there about people saying like, oh, Dan wasn't a great singer on those earlier records. And his voice like still isn't like, it's not what draws me to the band. Um, his voice is fine, you know, yeah. but like, cause like when you, when you mentioned like Aaron West and you know, his, his solo album stuff, I've never been able to get into those yeah. because what I love, I mean, obviously lyrically it's still Dan Campbell, right? And yeah. Dan Campbell writes great lyrics. Like, I don't know off the top of my head, if there's anybody in that scene that is comparable to his lyricism. I would say the closest band that comes to it is like Spanish love songs. hundred percent. And you know what? Yeah. I, I, I need to like apologize because when I first heard Spanish love songs, I was like, oh, they sound like a copy of the Wonder Years. Now, having said that, the last few, like especially Brave Faces, everyone, like yep. that record put them over the top for me where I was like, this band stands on their own, like a hundred percent. And then I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Brave Faces, et cetera. Yep. Like, yeah. And I when that came out, I mean, obviously it came out recently, but when that came out, I just listened to it on repeat, like laying in bed with headphones on being like, damn, this is so good. And it brings like a whole different angle to that record. But, um, but yeah, like the band, like the wonder years, I love them mainly for the lyrics and the music, right? Like yeah. whether it's the dy- the more dynamic stuff that they're doing or that they, you know, like Sister City sort of stuff, or as you kind of go back more, like the straightforward, more like pop punk, faster upbeat stuff, because it also came out at a time where I felt like my my view of pop punk was easy core, right? I'm like, oh, all these pop punk bands are playing easy core, which easy core is fine too, but it wasn't like what I was looking for. So the first time yeah. I heard The Wonder Years, I was like, Oh, there's actually bands that are playing like just drive through record stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is funny to say that because obviously we talked about Newfound Glory, Easy Core, and whatever. But but without going like the a day to remember route, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, or like um, the Chunk No Captain Chunk. Yeah, like, extra synth, all that stuff. Exactly right. Um, now, having said that, one of my you know one of the greatest bands I think going today came out of that whole easy core scene like four years strong. Oh, four years They're, strong. What's that? 100%. Yeah. Incredible songwriters. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> going down a bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, but yeah, they, so they, that's why I say like the wonder years kind of brought me back to pop punk. Like they definitely then through the wonder years, it was like, Oh, there's bands like knuckle puck and real friends. Mm-hmm. And like that are kind of more in that vein in like the, um, because I'd say, like, for a period of time there, it felt like bands were either influenced mainly by Newfound Glory or influenced mainly by the starting line. Um, and I and I find, like, the Wonder Years kind of has a, a bit more edge than the starting line, but there's a yeah. few of those bands where I'm like, oh, yeah, it sounds like what the starting line was doing um, in their Years time, ago. But, yeah. Uh, let's move on to the next song, um, which this band was one that I was only um, kind of, like, familiar with uh, I, like hearing their name here and there, checked them out once or twice, but never really got into them. So uh, I'm pumped to hear about this song for you. Yep. The band is Major League, and the song is Homewrecker. If I could paint you a
doubt you've grown And when your son grows up I hope he sees The coward and the crook And the world you took away from me Damn, that song's good. <laughs> um, I, I say this all the time about this like discovering series that we're doing. Uh, is that I, like the whole the sole purpose of these episodes is to introduce people to newer bands. Um, sometimes they're bands that have been around. They've got a couple records out or what have you. Yep. But uh, but my favorite thing about doing these because obviously like I'm familiar with you know your guys' music, having listened to the record and you know other bands that I've interviewed. But I love hearing the music you guys suggest because I get to find stuff where I'm like, yeah, as soon as we're done, I'm gonna go and put my headphones on and listen to that record because holy crap, like it goes from that song specifically. Obviously, I can't speak for the whole record. Maybe this is it though. Yeah, uh, that song goes from reminding me of. You know, like Taking Back Sunday, who we mentioned earlier in like that chorus uh, to like just blazing fast, which is obviously yep. something that Taking Back Sunday never did. Right. So kind of blending elements of just stuff I really enjoy. And so like that song, I could just I kind of <laughs> wanted to just keep going, but um, that would kind of derail the podcast way too far. So tell me a little bit about Major League and, uh, you know, when you got into them and why why you decided to pick this song as one of the influencers. So major okay, so Major League was one of one of those bands I've always listened to. I was really into the truth is when that came out in 2010. It was kind of with that pop punk revival of 2010 where you had um state champs, you had major league, you had the Wonder Years, yeah, you had yeah. a Lost for Words, all these bands started coming out. Um, but for some reason, like especially on the truth is, I, I really got attached to that album and it, it was like really just like a few songs here and there. But when, when I moved to Orlando from Miami, um, I had just, you know, I left the band that I was in, in Miami, like kind of like fell apart. I left my friends, did all that stuff. And I moved here and hard feelings had just come out. And it was, in my opinion, it's one of the, the most underrated albums that came out this decade or that decade yeah, yeah, yeah. a different decade yeah. <laughs> um it it like it hits so hard and i feel like um you know they were on no sleep at the time and i really feel like like a lot of bands kind of like fell through the cracks whether it was like i call fives on pure noise or mm-hmm. you know no sleep uh with major league and even with living with lions too like they had yeah. such great albums that came out but they kind of fell through the cracks Major League was one of them. And when I started up in music again, I joined this band that eventually, like this was like the precursor to Out of Time. Um, The first show that I played with this band was with Major League. And it was kind of like one of those things where I was like, I'm playing with probably one of my favorite bands out. And they're playing this album. Like this is the album that they're touring on. I think they were touring with like, uh, Firestarter and Vera mm. um, at the time, and they played this like small venue in Orlando called Uncle Lou's, which is like st- like floor show, 
like maybe fits like a hundred people in a pack 175 just for fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, just um, for fun. Just for fire code safety reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um I just remember like this song came on and the and I think they opened with this song honestly, because it's just one of those great songs that you can sure. open a whole set yeah, with. Yeah. And it was just nonstop. Like they just played banger after banger after banger. And I remember just like in that small, like sweaty room, just like singing along to like every song. Cause I knew every single song that they were doing. Yeah. And it was like my, like that was kind of like the catalyst into like, this is kind of the music that I want to play. And especially in the band that I was in, we were playing kind of like that new age, like style pop punk or sad boy music or whatever they want to call it, where it was like right. heavily influenced by like knuckle puck and stories yeah. so far. Yeah. But this was like major league. This was the pop punk that I wanted to play. Like stuff that was heavily influenced by, you know, early two thousands emo. Yeah. Um, and I always like to throw this on because it just like you said, like you've heard of major league, you never really got into them. It's one of yeah. those deep cuts that like their tone and kind of like the way that they can kind of go from, you know, a mid tempo to a high tempo and even back again to kind of like bring everything back down. Yeah. That's like one of those things where I'm like, yes, like this is what I want to do. And this is kind of like, um, you know, Mike or singer says the same thing. Like this is the album that kind of like brought everything back for all of us. Yeah. Uh, as that song was playing, I pulled my phone up and I was like, I'm just going to add this. So, you know, this album to my, <laughs> to my library, because I do, I for sure want to go back to it. Now I'm also notorious for like adding stuff and then just not getting to go back to it because either you forget about it or something else takes your, you know, your mind off of it or whatever. But, uh, my, my goal tonight is to listen to that record, at least part of it to kind of start getting it, you know, in my brain as what do I want to listen to? Oh, I should check out hard feelings. Um, but yeah, let's get uh, let's get into the songs that I got you to pick, or yeah. I asked you to pick three songs. You picked three songs. I didn't have to pick them for you. So, um, yeah, the new the the new record, No Boundaries. It's your, I guess, first full length. Yeah, yeah, it's um, the first full length as out of time, and I think it's yeah. the first full length I've ever put out. Well, there it is. <laughs> um, so I I do have to ask. So I've been to Florida once. Yeah. Um, this is just kind of a silly question because I think you've technically answered it. We were, we were in Florida, uh, obviously we're doing Disney, we were doing Universal Studios, all that, you know, the classic Florida stuff. Yeah. And as we were kind of driving around every now and then I'd like flip the radio on and all I could find were like hip hop stations, country stations, and like gospel stations. So how how did how did you become a kid who was into pop punk <laughs> like surrounded by all these other worlds and um, uh here you are so i mean in i grew like i said i grew up in in miami and it was a completely different kind of like genre overall like i've i played in bands you know um that ranged from like you know early 2000s screamo um i was like briefly like i played with uh the band that then became, I set my friends on fire from Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it was kind of like Miami always has this, this booming alt scene that kind of, you know, it peaks and then it kind of valleys and it peaks and it valleys. But the issue is with Florida in general is that you have to drive six hours or eight hours to get out of the state. Right. Yeah. Whereas like, a lot of bands who are kind of like in the Northeast, they drive six hours and they're five states away. hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so with like with Orlando and I, and I think it's funny because um, the, 
the guys in Bar Down Breakdown, the mm-hmm. All Hockey podcast, they say like Orlando has easily one of the best scenes in the music genre right now because we have so many bands that are breaking out finally. Yeah. Whether it's like Magnolia Park, Capstan, uh, Meet Me at the Altar, um, 408, Brave Weather. All these bands are kind of like breaking out into the radar. And, and I hate to say, you know, thank you, COVID, for doing this. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's it's one of those things that the internet is, is a beautiful place, especially when you're discovering new music. And a lot of people started discovering like this, this you know, gem of Orlando that is hidden under hip-hop, yeah. classic rock stations. Yeah. Like even the college radio station doesn't play pop punk. Yeah. I mean, um, like obviously, like there have been bands from Florida. We've talked yeah. about some of them. Under Oath, uh, I did remember. Yeah. I am currently wearing a t-shirt from a Florida band. The question is, or at least they were based in Florida. No longer as far as I know. But can you guess which band is on my t-shirt? Like you have to, you have to think like, I'm obviously not from Florida, so it's not going to be Magnolia Park or, you know, like <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, I'm trying to even like, what genre are they? Um, I mean, that might give it away. You Uh-oh. could probably look at my wall and see some names and kind of guess which world they come from. It could be less than Jake. Hmm. Could be. Could be against not. me. Could be, but it's not. Oh man. <laughs> think, uh. We'll we'll end this game real quick, but um, I want to say they probably had more, like definitely more success, mainstream success than less than Jake. Against me, obviously had a pretty good run at one point. Um, they're a lot. I, I feel like you either love them or hate them. I can't get it. Okay, I can't really show you because I have to stand up. It's dashboard confessional. Oh, <laughs> but if I stood up, I'd have to like go all the way up to like show you. And you know what's crazy? Hmm. Um, they were on Eulogy Records, based out of South Florida, and yeah. my one of my closest friends, his English teacher, actually dated Chris Caraba. That's hilarious. <laughs> so she's probably a song somewhere in right. yeah. the arsenal <laughs> yeah. of Chris Caraba. I totally forget that they're from South Florida. Well, because I think he's in like Nashville now or something like that. He's wherever, like, yeah. Yeah. My face uh, blew them up. Right. Like they, because I mean, my, my next hint was going to be like that he was in another, I, I guess, viewed as like influential band because like his, yeah. his stint in Further seems forever, right? But, um, yeah, man, Florida's had some good ones, and now we can add out of time to the list. You Whether could have said hands down the best Florida band to come out of, and I would have been like, "Oh yeah, there you go." <laughs> I'm a I'm a dad. I should have made that joke, but <laughs> I missed. Yeah, I'm a I'm a dad too. So I there can you go. So one right of us had there. to get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's get into uh, into the music, um, into the songs that you picked. We're gonna start uh, with. Uh, I tried to put these. I, I just double checked. Yeah, they're in order as to where they fall on the record. However, okay, you know we're not. Obviously, you didn't pick the first track on the record, which I will. Okay, so before we get into this song, the first track, Have You Ever Been in a Storm, Wally, uh, is the track that introduced me to your music. Okay. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that was probably, (laughs) you know, the introduction to you guys. And the clip from the 1980 Winter Olympics, U.S., Russia hockey game, which has been, if anyone's ever seen the movie Miracle, has been ingrained in our minds. Uh, immediately I was like, what? Like, I mean, like awesome. But again, you know, like that world, you, you mentioned bar down breakdown as a, you know, like a podcast that like mixes hockey and pop punk. 
And there was when I was first starting this podcast, there was another guy I was talking to who was like, oh, um, we should start a pop punk hockey podcast. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not a thing, man. So Bar Down <laughs> Breakdown is out there. Uh, so here you guys are, though. And you're uh, you're doing it and you're, you're, you're sampling clips to open songs. And that's pretty rad. Um, but the, that for whatever reason, you decided not to pick that song. So fine. Uh, the first song <laughs> that you did pick uh, is actually the fifth track on the record. And it's called Lost Boys. Photographs, 
account. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently, as of yesterday, Zoom changed uh, to... Why is it telling me just me? Uh, Zoom changed to 40-minute calls, even if you're just one-on-one for their free account. (laughs) I'm like, that is going to annoy me every... So much. Yeah. Oh, did I... I don't want that. I don't want to spend that much money. Yo. (laughs) No, I don't want to spend four hundred dollars. No, <laughs> no. I, whoa, um, I should do this. I would do this later, but it's going to kick us off in a minute. So I'm like, I just want to. Oh, five minutes. Is oh, is it counting down for you? Yeah, I can see it. Nice. I'm just about done. <laughs> this is, is going to sound great <laughs> on the podcast. Like, okay, this is when I bought Zoom uh, because I got annoyed of it telling me I've got ten minutes left. You can put um, that in the blurb for the podcast. Right. <laughs> this episode may be by a premium membership. Yeah, yeah. So can you please support us? If you're thinking about our Patreon, you can find it linked in our in the show notes. Uh that'd be amazing because I gotta pay for a Zoom account. <laughs> uh it's also making me change my name because I don't know if you noticed, but it says my name is Dorvid. Yeah. Uh which <laughs> when I try to when I try to pay for something, that's not gonna work. <laughs> no, your name's not Dorvid. <laughs> my name's no. not Dorvid. They'll be like, that's not right at all. No one names your kid Dorvid. Right. <laughs> and if they do, those parents are assholes. That's child um, abuse. Right? Oh, that looks better. There we go. Two hundred dollars. That's uh that's the one I wanted. Uh oh oh what? Now it's gonna make me prove I'm a I'm a human. But it doesn't tell me what you know how it gives you like those captcha things or whatever, and it's like Yeah. It doesn't tell me what I'm supposed to be selecting. <laughs> you, need to, you need to solve these riddles three. Yeah. It's like giving <laughs> it's giving me twelve pictures. Like, you know, it's divided into twelve squares, but it doesn't say what I'm supposed to select. Like, you know, all the ones with traffic lights. That's what I'm guessing. I'm guessing the traffic lights. Let's see if it works. It's gonna be the palm trees. Oh, did it it's not saying anything. Oh. Oh, it did it. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't tell me what it was, but I guessed that it was the traffic lights because yes, we've upgraded all... it. Yes. <laughs> this meeting now is unlimited minutes. We did it. <laughs> uh, Los Estimos, like Dora would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, great. Thanks for the Spanish lesson, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so that song, uh, Lost Boys. I'm trying to think how I can tie this into the money I just lost. Subscribe yeah, to Zoom I say. for a year, I guess. But You have to go uh, live on an island like the Lost Boys in Peter Pan. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I was just actually talking about the movie The Lost Boys Mm-hmm. earlier today which have you have you seen that like the 80s like vampire yeah. movie with Kiefer sutherland yeah we that came up for whatever reason at work today i don't even know I don't even were know you why. talking about what we do in the shadows no but it, it's it's interesting why did it come up um because then that movie came because i said oh if i had to pick a vampire movie to watch that would be like, the one it was between that it was between those two actually um lost boys and what we do in the shadows um but why did Lost Boys come up? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, let's talk about the song Lost Boys. That's why it came up because you picked it. So why did you pick this song? Um, so this is this is kind of one of our favorite songs to play live. Like we've been playing it live um, for a few months now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I think we introduced it when we were on our tour with Dear Youth in the Mogwas uh, back in October. But um, it was it's just kind of one of those songs that we we all sat together and we all kind of like brainstormed melodies we brainstormed lyrics like how can we kind of like make alliterations and what kind of flows and how can we do like the second verse so it was like one of those songs that we all had like we all had a tie-in we all had some type of like uh 
attachment to the song and right. especially playing it live it's it's just really fun to play overall especially on kind of like guitar like there's a mixture of a whole bunch of different type of like octaves and if i'm playing or like little like runs that i'm playing or stuff like that so it's yeah. it's just really fun and it's 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 also different i feel like this one kind of musically gives more of that like senses sale type of vibe that we have going right. on yeah um but also i feel like you know have you ever been in a storm wally false start husky mm-hmm. fight they all have their 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 day in the 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 spotlight they there were singles they all came out you know yeah, yeah. between january and and march of this year but i i always like i wanted to always like spotlight you know some of the other songs some of like the deeper cuts on the album because yeah um well yeah you know have we ever been in a storm wally was one of the first songs we wrote together um husky fight was the first song we wrote together after you know our tour got cut short because of the pandemic sure, and yeah. um false start was you know the song that we was you know one of the main singles that we had nick thompson on from hit the lights um i feel like these three songs in particular um we just have i don't know we just have like a different like attachment to them not that we don't love the other songs we absolutely love the other songs but yeah. i feel like like these three in particular i don't know we just started introducing them into our set like into our like sets a little bit more so like people will be able to hear these live um they're just really fun to play. And I think it's just a little bit more of a dynamic yeah, yeah. down to it than, than kind of like some of our other songs. hundred percent. I love, um, I, I love it when bands kind of pick those, those deeper cuts. Like some will pick their, their singles because they yeah. think, Oh yeah, those are our best songs. Right. Like, um, and, and, you know, I don't know if you're, you're saying that your singles aren't your best songs necessarily, but like going, Hey, I'd like to shed some light, as you put it, on some of these other songs. Uh, this next one, the, the light only gets shed for a very brief moment. Uh, three seconds. Yeah, because it's quite <laughs> short. But uh, this is the song Against the Grain. bud at the end of that are you just doing your best canadian there because that's what it reminds me i just really hate oatmeal bud <laughs> yeah we're really big letter kenny fans yeah yeah <laughs> um uh, so that song's definitely a blink and you might miss it but one thing i love is that you know because it kind of comes you know right around the middle of the record mm-hmm. sort of out of nowhere like i know the first time i kind of went through this playlist uh, i was like wait was that that was the song because you know I wasn't I wasn't looking at the times or yeah. whatever I just went you sent the song so I add them to a playlist and go through them and I'm like oh yeah that's the song like it's done <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty awesome so um, again well so why why pick a 53 second song to say hey man you guys should check us out so um this is this is a this is a fan driven song so um uh, when when the pandemic hit 
and you know, we we started running ads on Facebook and Instagram just to kind of get her music out there a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, someone commented and she goes, she said, Oh, I'm really disappointed because I thought your guys' name was oatmeal. <laughs> and, and I was like, <laughs> Weird. <laughs> no, we're not, but we're probably gonna name a song oatmeal or write a song about oatmeal. And she goes, right. it better be a good one. <laughs> so so we we were in the studio and I and and we we had this one song that we really didn't know what to do with it. It was originally about um it was called uh at the time Goddamn It Marcus, which was about our friend's alter ego called Marcus, where he drank too much right. and became this person called Marcus who would just randomly, you know, hook up with an older woman. And Classic. I was like, that's that's too that's too blinkish. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so let's let's kind of like we'll we'll change it up. Let's do it about um oatmeal. And we we recorded everything, like we recorded all the, the tracks and everything. We had no idea how what Mike was gonna sing about. Um and he comes in and he, he and he starts he starts these lyrics and I'm like, This is this is not like a like a song that you would write about like hating oatmeal at the beginning. It's kind of like one of those things where you're like you know, like you just got out of a bad friendship or a bad relationship and you're singing about like, you know, going against literally against the grain. Um, mm. But no, it's about the oatmeal, like the grain. <laughs> oat. um, and he it was supposed to be a secret track on the record. Like we were going right, to like yeah. bury it like 60 seconds into like the end of No Boundaries, yeah. like where you actually had to like sit down and wait for it to come. And we we finished the song. We did the whole acapella thing at the end. We did the the baseball organ, yeah. and all that stuff into it. And I was I was like, this we can't bury this song, right? Yeah, it's too good to just like it's just that song that like picks up the record again. Like we had like a few slow songs, a few serious songs, and then you just have this song about hating a breakfast oh, item, <laughs> and and I'm like, we can't we can't bury this song. We got to put it on the album. And it's funny because this is this will this was the single for the album so when the album when the album comes out like this is going to be the single that's going to be highlighted mm-hmm. for the album which completely blows my mind um <laughs> i literally had to ask the label i'm like are you guys sure you want to you want to do this an oatmeal song They're like <laughs> oh absolutely we love it i'm like are you like a hundred percent positive like you don't want any of these other eight songs no 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 no, this these is, actual songs. The oatmeal <laughs> song. The oatmeal song is the single. I'm like, for the right. album. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And and I think what I love is that it really kind of like pulls back, draws, you know, looks back on when like pop punk that used to be a thing, right? Like whether it was the secret song. So it's yep. interesting that you bring that up. I mean, that wasn't obviously just pop punk, but uh, just in that they time. Or, did it. Yeah, and like the joke song, right? Like yep. where it's kind of like a lighthearted. Now it's not what I think. What I like about it is that it's pretty like it's pretty family friendly in the sense of like a pop punk joke song. You know what I mean? Like it's not Blink One Eighty Two, you know, doing their classic joke songs that you'd be Bestiality. like, yeah. <laughs> when I was a sixteen year old, being like, okay, here comes that song. I should turn the stereo down a little yeah. bit, you know, so that mom's not like, why is he listening to a song about fucking a dog in the ass? Like, you know, like, um, 
So I, I got to appreciate it. That's fantastic. Although I don't know if I, cause I haven't, you know, taken a closer look at the lyrics. Uh, so I don't even know if I would have picked up that it was about hating oatmeal, except for the clip at the end. <laughs> well, I think like I, it was funny cause um, I, we did a, we did a blind react with, um, with another podcast mm-hmm. and I didn't tell him anything about any of the songs. Yeah. I just said, check this song out. Yeah. And I, I watched their reactions live as they were going through it and they were like jamming out to it. And then it got to the, uh, I've tried raisins and cinnamon and they kind of yeah. like cocked their head a little bit. Like what? <laughs> and then they, they heard the ending and they were just laughing. And I was like, it's like, yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, well, let's get into the last song that you brought, uh, which is uh, a little track called Gone. It's
Very nice. Um, yeah, like so. Do you, do you sing in the band as well? Like backups? Is that you on there? Yeah, I'm the 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 shouty yelly guy. Yeah, the, yeah, the shouty yelly guy. <laughs> uh, I, I love the dynamic because it it that definitely adds. I mean, that's that's why bands do it, right? Like having yeah. that kind of shouty yelly guy, but just that different element that comes in to kind of set that one apart from at least the other two that we heard. Um, yeah, like the drums and like going into that instrumental section thought he was gonna just take off <laughs> yeah tony is um tony's just this incredible drummer that he he used to play in ska bands and um he's uh he's in another orlando band called brave weather but um the way the way that he just took some of these songs because uh, we we basically we kind of like wrote everything together we had everything mm-hmm. kind of like pre-written um our drummer who original drummer who was with us had, you know, just left the band, you know, right before we started recording all these songs. Yeah. And, um, we reached out to, to Tony and he was like, yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll, you know, I can, I'll record them for you. Um, just let me know kind of like this this, and that. And, um, he actually ended up joining the band, like after the first rehearsal, we were like, yeah, do you, do you just want to like do this with us (laughs) like full time? Yeah. And um, he he went in. He literally listened to the songs for like two, three weeks straight. And he's like, "All right, um, if I'm gonna do this, he's like, I'm gonna do it my way." Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, 100 percent." And he yeah. went in there, and he, even like like some of the old songs, like um, "Have You Ever Been in a Storm, Wally?" Uh, the the dynamic difference from the demo to what he recorded is like drastic difference. Like it's just so it's so amazing what a what it a like a like a top tier drummer can really do mm-hmm. to change up the the dynamic, and I don't want to like fluff his ego any more than it already is. <laughs> but one hundred percent, like he's he's probably one of my like my favorite drummers that I've ever played with, and just the 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 dynamics of what he does, and he like it's it's really cool. Like just sitting here talking, he's like, yeah, he's like, I never really listened to Newfound Glory before, but he's like, I really respect Cyrus as a drummer because he's just in the pocket and he's not too flashy, but when yeah. he wants to be flashy, you hear it. Yeah. So Tony like took that approach like on this album where he's like, I want to be flashy, but in the parts where it makes sense. Yeah. And that was like one of the parts where it's like, like that snare riff that he did, like the snare fill he did was just so cool. Yeah. Um, and I just got it. I consistently give him props. Like every time he, he rips, I'm yeah. just like, I don't know how you do it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it. uh, it, it's definitely when that part of the song hits, it catches your ear. It's impossible. I know the chorus says in one ear and out the other, but yeah. that, you know, that specific element makes it impossible for that song to, really to go in one ear and out the other. And out the other. It sticks with the entire yeah, time. It catches you. And, uh, and I think like an interesting comparison to Cyrus in the sense that, yeah, like, you know, obviously you have different drummers in the world of pop punk and say a drummer mm-hmm. like Travis Barker, you know, is, is, loved and respected in the genre but he's also yep. known as a drummer who can get busy right like yeah um and so you know whereas like a drummer like trey cool from green day you know doesn't really like i i, I know i remember like listening to him when travis was like king you yeah. know it was like man trey's so boring you know like he doesn't do anything and then, like, now, though, I hear some of the stuff that Trey was doing, you know, in those, especially on those earlier Green Day records that, you know, when once he joined the band and stuff like that, that 
you know, I hear them and I go, man, similarly, and I know like Green Day gets, they've gotten the comparison to the Beatles before, but like yeah. Ringo Starr was a drummer, is a drummer who just knew how to like play those parts <laughs> that made the song. And if it called for a part that was like a little Flashy. fancier, a little flashier, he'd play it, right? But yep. it wasn't out there, you know, constantly playing fills and all that kind of stuff. And I, I guess that's just my personal taste in music, right? Like some drummers are going to be like, yeah, I love hearing, you know, like a Neil Pert or this guy or that guy who's just like going off all the time. And I'm like, can you just give me like a solid beat and then hit me with those flashes when it like is going to stand out. And so yeah. that, that snare riff, that snare roll, just all of a sudden hits you. And you're like, dang, like this is pretty rad. So yeah, Tony. Tony and I always talk about because we we it, some of our like our influences outside of the band because they have no comparison to any of these is we really love um, like August Burns Red and yeah. Matt Griner is very similar to that aspect where he's very in the pocket and then like out of nowhere he'll hit you with like a salsa beat right in <laughs> one of the songs you're like where did that come from and then he goes right into a breakdown yeah. Tony loves that stuff. And like, especially like when we're playing live, like he'll, he'll literally like, if there's a bridge, he'll throw a salsa beat over it and we'll all just like jam out to a salsa beat really quick. And then we'll go <laughs> right back into like the final chorus. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on, uh, on the new record. I Thank can you. say, I, I feel like I could safely say this might be a weird thing to say, but it will be, It'll be someone's favorite record of the year. Like that might sound weird to be like, it'll be someone's favorite record of the year. Yeah. Right? But, but it's one of those records where I go, you know what? Like I can see like falling in love with this record and putting it on, especially, you know, um, now by the time this episode comes out, it'll be summer, but like as we're yeah. recording it in, you know, what, I mean, I guess I don't know what the weather's like down there right now, but it's like rainy. It's and a bit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's rainy and cooler up here right now. And I'm like, Man, this is the kind of record that once that sun is out, um, you know, I, it's just it's going to get played a ton and it's going to feel real good. Uh, now, now that this is coming out in the summer, I'm going to say it's I played a ton and it feels real good, um, <laughs> you know, and I, and I can see people going like really getting into it in uh, in a good way. So, um, yeah, it was it was a pleasure to to have it sent to me and get to listen to it and and, and go through these songs with you. So yeah, thanks for staying up late with me and hanging out and, uh, yeah, thanks for having us on and letting me, uh, you know, buy a zoom license over the course <laughs> of recording a podcast. It was, it was super rad, man. <laughs> if that's not in the blurb, I will be upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I said, please support our Patreon so I can, you know, get some of my money back that I spent on zoom. Zoom, <laughs> zoom said no more freebies. <laughs> he does this for you guys, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks so much for doing this. No problem. It was a blast doing it. Yeah.